everybody it is me welcome 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 to all of you wonderful and fantastic people out there in the muddied verse i appreciate each and every one of you for being here uh there's a lot of things you can be doing on a thursday evening and you have no idea how humbled i am that you choose to spend your thursdays here with me on the writer's block a muddied waters media production First and foremost, allow me to thank the wonderful and fine people at Nakamal at Home for the kava that I am drinking on today's episode. It's wonderful mind kava from the beautiful island of Vanuatu. To the members of Nakamal and to all of you, I say, Ula Banaka. Got a fantastic guest tonight. I'm so excited. Um, and But before we get to her, we have to pay some bills. So... This episode is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party. Um, It's the fastest growing caucus in the largest uh, waffle related caucus anywhere, ever, possibly. That's what I'm going with. Uh, The Gravy King, Tom Queter. Tom Queter is rolling for state Senate in New York. Uh, and he's rolling because he can't actually walk. Um, he pays us to say these things. It's not me. His 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 slogan is "I run better than Albany." So you understand the kind of the you understand the kind of uh, uh, humor that this man has, and that's why he pays us to say the awkward things. 
So everybody out there, go to tomfor52.com. That's T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com and support Tom Queter today. Uh, Mudwater, the most aptly named sponsor that we could possibly ever have. If you wake up in the morning and you're like, man, you know what would be really good right now? Not a fresh hot cup of delicious coffee, but a drink that tastes substantially worse with less caffeine. Have I got good news for you? Mudwater is a coffee alternative with one-seventh of the caffeine. It contains masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that is it. It tastes exactly like you think those things put together will taste. I recommend adding honey to it. Uh, I also hear that adding some French vanilla creamer to it isn't bad either. Uh, If you are one of those who is tired of coffee... Go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash mud to make the switch today. I drink it occasionally, but I will never switch from coffee. Cumberland Cannabis. Now, if you are tired of your Valium and you want something, I don't even know if Valium is still a thing, but if you're tired of that Valium that's probably expired by now, go to cumberlandcannabisco.com and pick up some ethical, viable, and effective Delta 8 CBD, which basically means that it is weed. Um, it is weed that they are basically selling. Uh, from what I, it's it's good. It's just good. That's all I got on that. Uh, so CumberlandCannabisCo.com, uh, to make the switch from your Valium to Cumberland Cannabis Co. Delta 8 CBD today. Stitches and glitches and defy the power. They make these wonderful tumblers. They are fantastic tumblers. I honestly can't say anything bad about these tumblers for the first for the first ad that we've ever had um they work really well (laughs) they work really well uh if you want to have one made they will do customizations for free uh they're they keep drinks cold forever they keep them hot forever whatever it is that you are looking for in your drink to do temperature wise this will do it for you it's made from like nasa aged oh and you can go to stitchesandglitches.com or defythepower.com and use code MUDDYTUMBLER for 10% off on your order, except for customizations, because customizations are free. So you can get all of your customizations done for free for not 10% off. Joe Soloski. Joe Soloski is running for governor of Pennsylvania, and he is the only choice that anybody should make for governor of Pennsylvania. This man is uh, a true hero of so many people, and he deserves to sit in the governor's mansion that he may sell or rent out. He may put it on Airbnb. I'm not really sure. Uh, But if you want Pennsylvania to be free, Joe Soloski and you are the key to Pennsylvania's success. And Jack Casey... Jack Casey. How much can I say about Jack Casey? He wrote some books. He says that they're fantasy. And what I know about Jack Casey means I will never read these books. Because what his predilections are, I don't want to read about. Um, People tell me they're good. I don't know. I've never read any books in common with those people either outside of the usual libertarian fare. So uh, if you want to trust people that I don't know if I can agree with, 
go to theroyalgreen.com and you can pick up the royal green in silver throned and crowned by gold. And if somebody can tell me what the cover of crowned by gold is supposed to be, because I only see one thing and it's dirty, please let me know what it is. Um, um, so my guest tonight is the wonderful, the hilarious, the woman who finds me so exceptionally funny, Anna Johnson, who is the chair of the Libertarian Party of Washington State. Please welcome with me, Anna Johnson. Hi. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. I am so excited that you are here. Um, Here's what I want to know about Jack Casey. Shout out to Jack. I think I'm going to see him tomorrow. Um, you know, I hear that, uh, from Tom Woods that you can make a lot of money on free eBooks. So, um, Jack, when are you going to release some of your fantasy series as a free eBook? Because I know that Matt and I will be all over that. Uh, yeah, 100%. Jack, you release your books for free on eBook. I will 100% download them and then make fun of them more. Um, yeah, Jack, I, so I... I love Jack Casey. He is a fantastic human being. And I the real reason I don't want to read his books is because if I've been pushing crap to people, I'm going to feel bad to the people. And if they're good, I'm going to feel bad for everything that I've said about his books and, you know, revealing personal information about Jack online. I would feel bad about these things. So I try to just avoid them altogether and just not read his books and just continue to make fun of him. Um, well, that sounds like a really winning strategy. You know what? Um, well, I haven't read Jack's books yet, but I'm definitely going to read them. Uh, just because you say that you're not going to read them. I'm going to read them twice, once for me and once for you. <laughs> That's right. And if you can give me a, a, a 1000 page essay on each book, that'd be great. So that way I'll know what to say on the show. Oh, no problem. That's like half an hour. I was an right. English major, man. That's like, I, that's like, I wake up an hour before class, type it up. Right. Yeah. I used to pump out a thousand words in 20, 30 minutes. And it was great. You know, I'd just be like, all right, thousand words done. And now I sit there at a computer and I stare at it. And I'm like, oh, in the yeah. beginning, um, where's my mud water? Cause that's not going to work here. I'm going to need coffee. Um, <laughs> I'm going to need so much coffee today. Um, so how I usually like to, start off my shows and after making fun of Jack Casey, of course, is of course. asking asking my guests how it is they found themselves on the island of misfit toys known as the Libertarian Party. Because uh, not not many of us came here naturally. We weren't raised in the party. So uh, how is it that you found yourself here with this group of people that would be on the island with Pinocchio at the end where it gets kind of terrifying? Yeah, well, uh, kind of terrifying sometimes is a, that's a word for it. Um, Well, I grew up, my family's real conservative. Um, I got a lot of Trump people in my family. um, And I went to college in Seattle, and I made friends with a lot of really liberal progressive people. And um, I was what I call liberty curious for a long time. So I think I voted for Gary Johnson in like 2012. Um, But I also really liked Paul Ryan. 
Um, I voted for Dwayne The Rock Johnson in 2016, wrote in Dwayne The Rock Johnson. By the way, everyone in Washington blames me now because Gary Johnson lost his chance at major party status in Washington by like nine votes or something. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's obviously yeah. your fault. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I came from the right, but there was a lot of things that just kind of stuck in my craw, like war um and you know being friends with a lot of really compassionate lefty people got me thinking about um the things that are the things that the government does to people who can't fight back or who don't have a lot of resources to fight back so right. uh yeah so so eventually what happened i mean i was kind of like the token conservative among my friends and i kind of liked being that and i you know but then in about 2016 or 17, I thought like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this Trump stuff. I didn't vote for him. I thought he was garbage. He is garbage. He is garbage. Um, but I showed up at a Libertarian Party, somebody's campaign event, and I just wanted to like stand in the back and eat the food. And um, six months later, I got voluntold to run for the board of the county party. Um, yep, I won sense. with nine votes. Nine people voted for me. Um, and then a year after that, I was on the board of the state party, got appointed because nobody, uh, the, there were some roles that were not filled. And then I got voluntold to be chair, ran unopposed. Uh, my vice chair and I said, looked at each other for several months and said, well, you should run. Uh, no, no, you should run. Um, so it's, it's wild here. It is, it um, Seattle. I mean, I don't live in Seattle, I live in Tacoma, which is way better than Seattle. Right. Um, but I lived in Seattle for many years and, um, Seattle is people say as King County goes, so goes the state because whatever the culture is in Seattle, it's like, that's what dominates all of Washington because yes. it's, you know, like 60 or 70% Democrat voters. And then everybody in the rest of the state just has to take what they get. Right. Yeah. I, um, so I have a fictional love affair with Seattle. Uh, Seattle to me is like one of the most poetically awesome cities uh because i really like grunge music and cameron crow back in the 90s uh and i was just like man he makes yeah, say anything yeah say, exactly lloyd dobler sitting there holding the All stereo and Boyd. right yeah and so i'm always like seattle looks so amazing uh the movie singles was the one that really sold me on it i was like i'm gonna move to seattle one day and then i went to visit and i was like no i'm not <laughs> not moving here um but uh so like i've always been i've always been in love with seattle and i just thought for years i thought that washington was just this massively liberal place and then i have friends that uh they kind of jump between idaho and washington and they usually go over to washington and then get mad at seattle and then go back to idaho and then they'll move back over to washington and then they go back to idaho but they keep going back to Coeur d'Alene, idaho which is one of the most beautiful places in America that I've ever been to. And I'm like, well, I mean, you're not, you're not losing here. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Coeur d'Alene's gorgeous. Uh, so I've always loved it there, but I found out that uh, Washington has deserts. That blew my mind. Yeah. That is one of the things I love the most about Washington. Like I hate the government here so much. It's terrible. But my favorite thing about Washington is how many different landscapes we have. We have the ocean, like the actual right. ocean on the yeah. West Coast. We have the whole Puget Sound, which there's nowhere else like it in America. There's, you know, there's a lot of lakes and stuff, but we have this, this 
the Strait of Juan de Fuca and all these islands, and there's nothing else quite like it, I think. Um, we have mountains, real mountains, not like the, you know, the Appalachian Mountains, which are like hills. Um, we have, you know, we have the deserty place. We have rolling plains. We have um, lakes. We have waterfalls. We have a, we have a rainforest, like a huge yeah. rainforest. Um, there's, there's so much here and there's tons of outdoorsy people. Um, and there's so many, there's, there's, there's just so much to see and so much, there to is do, so much. especially if you like being outdoors or even if you just like to look at the outdoors. <laughs> Fair. Cause I'm more of that. To, I'm more of that. Like a day hike I'm okay with. I'm not camping. Like I'll go out during the day and like walk around somewhere and be like, Oh, look at that tree. That's a nice tree. That tree seems like it's been here a long time. And then I'm happy to go. <laughs> to an enclosure that was built that has a shower mm-hmm. and a bathroom with a door. Um, because yeah, it's we the... call that glamping. Well, no, I like to have like a hotel or an Airbnb. <laughs> Not right, a cabin. A step up from glamping. <laughs> right. No, I like to go on vacation and then go on hikes <laughs> and then not do that some days. Um, well, if you live in Washington, you can do that because almost everything is driving distance. Right. Pretty much everything in Washington's driving distance. When, so I went to my buddy's wedding in Coeur d'Alene, which is how I found out about it. And it was right after Washington legalized weed. And uh, so, so on my way back, uh, I stopped in uh, Spokane and I picked mm-hmm. up some very 100% legal Washington weed. And then I immediately got onto an airplane and uh flew to where it was not legal um Mm -hmm. and they were like they like saw it in my bag and they said you know you can't fly with this and i was flying from um spokane to seattle i said oh i'm just flying to seattle and they said oh okay you're fine then the tsa yeah oh man i've always wondered about this yeah i was like i'm just flying to seattle usually they don't find it but yeah, no, they found it. I didn't hide it even a little bit. It was, it was sitting there right in the top. And they were like, uh, you can't fly out of state with this. And I, because I was going from uh, from Spokane to Seattle and then from Seattle to Cincinnati and Cincinnati to Tampa. And I said, no, I'm just going to Seattle. And they said, oh, okay, you're okay. And they let me fly with it. And so on my way after, that was that was actually the day that Delta, if you remember this day, because I do very well, that was the day that Delta uh, shit the bed and all of Delta shut down for like six hours. And I was flying Delta that day. So I was stuck in an airport. Oh, this is like, like 10 years ago or something, right? Uh, that was like five years ago, five, six years oh. ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't remember that. Yeah. So you were, so you were stuck in the airport with a lot of weed. Yep. And did yes, you smoke I, it in the airport? I did not, but I did get edibles and I did eat those in the airport. Perfect. Oh, perfect. I mean, how can the TSA even find edibles? I mean, you brought them with you to where are we going? Well, they found, uh, yeah, to Cincinnati. Yeah, I went to Cincinnati and then to Tampa. It was like it was like a fourteen-hour trip already, and then Delta shit the bed, and I ended up being it was like an eighteen, nineteen, twenty-hour trip. Well, not uh, as bad as Southwest shit the bed last week. No, well, <laughs> in all fairness. What, what Delta's issue was that day was a technical issue or a computer glitch that uh, made them lose everybody's assignments. And they were like, uh-oh, what do we do? When Southwest shit the bed, 
Southwest um, wanted their pilots to do something that the pilots didn't want to do, and they just said, no. Well, we're just not showing up this weekend. Enjoy your millions of dollars lost. Yeah, they changed their tune real quick, too, didn't they? Oh, yeah, real fast. Um, so, so since Washington is such a diverse, sprawling state with a lot of different viewpoints, because like I know that you've got a military base there, and you've got like oh, yeah. Spokane is more liberal, and Seattle is a lot more liberal. Um, how do you kind of message liberty across a state like this that is a great question um and uh that's funny i wonder how our spokane libertarians would feel about you you saying spokane is more liberal um because the perception in seattle at least uh is that spokane and everybody on the east side is just like crazy right wingers um we do we have we have a lot of different people across the spectrum and we have a lot of them in the party um, a lot of people from different places. We have some, definitely some kind of like who came from lefty places, more like civil liberties, libertarians, people who are really aware of, you know, how zoning laws affect minorities and right. who are definitely into, you know, getting police to be accountable for things. Um, sometimes liber- people who come to libertarianism from the right have a harder time, you know, getting over the kind of police back the blue thing. Um, we have a lot of disaffected Republicans, a lot of people who are just kind of like, you know, have always been sort of conservative, but they just can't stand Donald Trump or they can't stand how garbage everybody in Congress is and does exactly the same thing as all of the Democrats while they're like theatrically railing against them. Um, we have like kind of a whole contingent also, especially in the last few years of like really rebellious Mises caucus type ANCAPs. Um, and I, I, I sort of feel like this is my theory that states with really um, like really authoritarian and really like super progressive do everything with, you know, the sort of woke lefty thing um, the, the the state governments that are like that tend to have uh, they tend to uh, provoke a, a more a bigger reaction of people who are like super anarchist are like re- really super free market in the libertarian party. So we have a lot of those as well. Um, and we have a lot of them represented in the party membership and in the party volunteers. Um, so what we do is the, the, cause there's a temptation to fall into, you know, whatever the left or the right is doing. And a lot of times we agree with the right on what the left is doing and we agree with the left on what the right mm-hmm. is doing. Exactly. But um, we have to differentiate ourselves and they get into these, just all these little spats about, about every sort of little cultural thing. And what we try to stick to is you have to stick to the principles. If you're wondering, you know, whether to post this or whether to, you know, what stance to take on it, stick to the platform. That is why we have it. Stick to the libertarian principles of um, the illegitimacy of the use of force, you know, don't get bogged down in whatever cultural thing or just, you know, owning the libs just because we want to, or, you know, like, don't, don't just follow what they're saying. We have to stick to our principles because our principles are not reactionary to the right or reactionary to the left. They are a third path. Oh, what's your pup's name? Her name is Ichigo. And normally she sits outside while Sarah is here. Uh, and <laughs> usually, usually she will just sit behind me during an entire episode if Sarah is not here, but today she is not wanting to do that. 
Well, welcome. Well, gonna, well obviously, she it. heard me talking about libertarian principles, and she, she's like, "I gotta course. get in on this." <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's that's how we do it. Uh, stick to the principles. Stay in our lane. <clears throat> that will always lead you to the right place when you're always pointing towards the right goal, rather than like trying to become more left against the right or yeah, or vice versa. Right. Um, so. I know that you had mentioned that this is a year of forming structure for the LP of Washington. What, what are you attempting to do new with your affiliate, with your state affiliate? Oh man, there's so many things, you know, the, the party for the past couple of years had been in what I kind of call like a tilling the ground phase. We had had, as I'm sure is not surprising to you to hear, um, you know, we've had some dramas and, and traumas in the state party, uh, you know, eight to 10 years ago, lots of, you know how these things happen. Um, and the party was kind of coming back from a difficult place. And several years were spent in, you know, coming back to financial stability and um, be, being really good stewards of people's money and um, settling down from the drama. And so when I joined, there weren't a lot of people um, running teams. Uh, we had kind of a bare bones board. And and um, so I joined and and other people joined. And um, we got a lot of new members in the past couple of years. So now with our new board, um, who many of them are, all of them are pretty engaged. We have a new events director. We have a new communications director. We have a new technology director and a political director running campaigns um, and candidates committees, Um, a legislative director who's writing bills that future candidates can run on. Um, And our, our, we actually have a podcast now too, our events director and our technology director who uh, double as the chair and vice chair of the King County party, which is the party that includes Seattle. Seattle, Um, Yeah. yeah, They do a podcast and they're interviewing, they, they'll interview our legislative director every so often to talk about the bills that we're working on. And um, they have lots of different guests. So, you know, we're really in a capacity building year because when you're starting from, you know, not very much engagement and, and, the sort of basics, you know, making sure that you're, you have a savings account and all of those things, and then trying to engage as many people as possible. We've definitely learned a lot this year. I've been chair for six months and we're learning a lot because we're like, we got to have all these teams. We got to have all these events, events all the time. And now we're like, wow, people want to volunteer, but we're too busy to figure out what they should do, but right. we need people to volunteer. Um, so, uh, it's definitely a learning experience, um, start, you know, starting teams and not getting burned out. I don't, I don't think we're there yet, but you know, we're, we're trying to reevaluate and listen to, um, listen to each other about what we need and, you know, maybe pull back a little bit here, maybe go forward there. Um, so we haven't done a huge amount, for example, with the campaigns committee yet. We're, we're trying to form a structure so that next year, people who start running in the spring can have, you know, like a ready-made rolled out program of, okay, you know, we have these volunteers lined up. We have this amount of money that we're going to give you. And we've, you know, we're going to be able to, um, to allocate more money to that budget next year. You know, we have a plan for somebody to do graphic design for, you know, signs or whatever it is. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're, there's a, it's hard because when you're capacity building, sometimes you aren't able to do all of the things that you would want to do. And of course, always in the Libertarian Party, it's like, well, you guys should do this. And we're like, okay, sounds like you just volunteered for the do something committee. <laughs> but yeah, um, it, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. 
And so in my time with the Libertarian Party here in Florida, I actually just literally tried to push up my glasses and they aren't there. Um, <laughs> I saw that. I'm wearing, yeah, I'm wearing contacts. And I was like, let's try to cover it and then call myself out. Um, when I was in the Libertarian Party in Florida, um, there were a lot of people that were the, on the, you need to do something about this because this needs to be done. But then nobody wanted to do it. And I was in with a group of people that were much more on the, we're just going to go out and do it. And then they would get mad at us about how we did it. Uh, so when people, so when people are saying, you need to do something about this, holding them, telling them uh, that they are now part of that committee is a good way to handle it because then they're involved and they don't get to complain. And then I like, I like the thought process there. That's a good way to handle it. But like, all of these parties, and people don't look at it the right way all the time, and you guys, it sounds like you definitely are, they're essentially businesses, and you need to set up different factions of your business in order to make sure that yes. everything runs correctly. And it sounds like you guys have been taking different aspects, being like, okay, so this is going to be the campaign people, this is going to be the, uh, the financial people, this is going to be the outreach people, and you're ahead of that, you're ahead of And that is the way that these parties need to be run. You can't just meet every once in a while with somebody on the somebody on the board who's like their treasurer, but it's only because nobody else would run and it would get shut down. Otherwise you need somebody out there who knows what they're doing. Not some schlub who isn't good at math and not good at saving money. You don't want that guy to be your treasurer libertarian party of Pinellas County. Um, Cause I got voluntold for that job. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned the podcast. Uh, also I hear that, you're making headway on Reddit in different ways. Well, I mean, yes, I haven't, I actually haven't checked our, um, our, our Reddit activity super recently, but um, someone in the party uh, just started posting like our press releases and different kind of statements that we would make on, it was like on our Seattle or something, which okay. is just like a cesspool or like our Seattle, Washington, which is another cesspool. And it was really that, fun because some of it, the stuff, I, the person, you know, a lot of our <clears throat> members who are on Reddit, some of them are kind of a little bit like maybe from a more lefty perspective and they're able to, to talk to, uh, to people and, and do say things that are kind of not off putting, but what's that word I'm looking for where you're like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Um, so oh. they're, you know, they're, we're posting about things we're doing and then people were like, Oh, well, you're just Trump voters. And then, you know, we're able to respond with like, actually, no, actually, here's what we care about. And then they still kind of want to just like troll, but they can't really do it because we have good answers. So right. yeah, that was surprising to me to see that we actually kind of got some, some good responses on Reddit. Yeah. Um, Reddit is one of the places that has always been a mystery to me because I always tried, I, I tried to figure it out a couple of different times and that was whenever Reddit would change their rules. And then I was like, I'm not even, no, I'm not going to try it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to give it another shot. And then they changed their rules again. And then I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. It's kind of like YouTube um, where I just get tired of all the rule changes. And then I don't know what I'm allowed to say on there anymore. Um, yeah, nobody does. What is the... Libertarian Party of Washington Love Committee. <laughs> well, I mean, that was because our this internal is, name for it. This is what I know. <laughs> Jack Casey's from Washington. 
And what I know about Jack Casey, I hope he's not the head of this committee. <laughs> uh, no, this was the brainchild of one of our board members. Um, and he is somebody who is just really passionate about making people feel welcome in the party, um, introducing them to libertarianism in ways that's not like yelling, you're not a real libertarian or like arguing. Um, his mission, this person, this is, this is our, um, board member Miguel, his, his mission statement for his life is laying the foundations for a peaceful and voluntary world. Um, and you know, you could have like what you call a membership growth committee or, you know, whatever, a welcome committee. But um, he's, man, he's really about love, Miguel. And uh, so we're, we're still rolling that out because um, we're, we, we, we have a lot of people who would like to be part of the love committee, uh, which is awesome. But we also have people that are very data focused who are like, okay, we have to centralize our data. We need to have measurable goals. We need to know where people are in the journey. And all of those things are true. And you need both types of people in the party. So we're kind of working on our data a little bit to make sure we actually know, you know, who we're talking to and what notes we're taking and things like that. So, um, so you need both. So that's what the love committee is. It's like the welcome committee, um, because we do a lot of arguing in libertarianism and honestly, okay. I'm not going to say we don't argue because I literally was just in the friendly debate channel (laughs) of our discord the other night talking about, I can't even remember what I do it to calm myself. Um, but you get into mild even, <laughs> debates with libertarians to calm yourself. That's an odd way to handle that, but okay. Yeah, it, it helps me organize my thoughts. Uh, but actually, we get along really well in Washington. We really do. I'm sure there are some people that hate me. Like, I probably have enemies that I don't really know about. But um, we've spent a lot of time, even though we do like to friendly debate, um, there's not hard feelings here. There have been in our party in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of us from, you know, all different factions have spent a lot of time trying to remember what's most important that we're all working for Liberty and yeah, we can argue about this or that, but we don't let it poison us. We haven't so far. And that's one of my biggest goals is to not let that stuff poison us because it happens in other parties. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah, um, our love committee, um, uh, it's real. Yeah. So I was a member of the Libertarian Party of Florida, and uh, I left for a while. I think I'm back now. I'm not even 100% sure anymore. Um, but uh, I left for a little while because we could not get along at all, anybody in the party. There were there were different factions and groups, and uh, our chair at the time was a guy named Adrian Wiley who had run for governor, and he left because he did not like this guy that was running for Senate. And I was not in on the whole faction debate thing uh, mm-hmm. inside the party, uh, but I did not like that guy at all. I did not like the guy at all. Okay, I guess you're coming up front. All right. Um, <laughs> to my audio listeners, that's my, that's my dog. Um, but because we didn't like this guy and he was literally, not figuratively, literally a Nazi, uh, we did not want him representing the, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about now. Um, yeah, well, I was want... trying to, re- I was trying to recall like, okay, when mm. was this time? Because I have an idea. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't want him representing the party and the party would not vote to say that they would not recognize him. Like not that, because you can't say he's not running as a libertarian because that's a state law. 
if they're right. registered as a libertarian and running, they can run. Um, but yeah. as a party, they wouldn't reject him. And so the chair was like, I'm leaving. And that caused a bunch of other people to leave. And it was during that time that I was like, I'm not dealing with this. This is, I don't want to be a part, part of any party that is this screwed up. I will go non-party and uh, just fight for liberty, continue to fight for liberty and not worry about whatever you guys are doing here. Because if you can't get it together, but it sounds like you guys are coming up with a good plan in order to get it together to make sure that things like him don't happen. Um, oh yeah. And Florida is too, man. I, Florida, I know several. Florida has been doing great it's a job. Lot better than it used to be. Oh, it is. That's why, that's why I think I'm a member again. Cause I think Stephen yeah. Michaela convinced me to rejoin. Yeah. You should get involved again. Florida's doing, Florida's pretty good. Yeah, no, point. Florida's doing, Florida's doing a house. lot of really good work. They did. They cleaned a lot yeah. of house. Yeah. Um, so I live in Florida, as I'm going to state again, because it's very important for my next question. But uh, recently it came out that I don't have to worry about this, but heating bills are going to go up 51% this year for people who have what they call winter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we don't really have that either. I mean, it barely gets below freezing here. Oh, well, that's awful. If it's barely getting below freezing, that's terrible. (laughs) <laughs> it barely you know gets below terrible? 60 a hundred degrees and a hundred percent humidity okay so i can honestly say i have never lived here one day where it was a hundred degrees and a hundred percent humidity <laughs> was it like 95 degrees and like 90 percent humidity yes i get that sometimes yeah. but i i have never seen it where it's a actual triple digits here um but um yeah, so uh, now, so apparently you're not gonna you're not gonna have to deal with that in 32 degree weather. Um, but uh, but what I understand is your local government is against putting down sand or salt on the roads and want a hard packed surface. Which again, that just brings me back to Jack Casey. Um, yeah, a hard... no, this was this was years ago. I mean, I I don't think they're stupid enough to do the same thing again, but I could be wrong. Um, it's government. What happens in Washington? It's the same kind of thing that happens when it rains because, like, everyone talks about how it rains so much in Seattle, and it actually doesn't rain that much over the summer usually. But when it does start raining, every single person forgets how to drive in the rain. Right. Like yes. everyone forgets. It's like no one has ever driven in the rain before. It's terrible. Um, And that's what happens when it snows. So it is not uncommon that we'll go an entire winter only seeing a few snowflakes. And then every like 10 years or so, we see a huge snowstorm and no one has chains. No one has all weather tires. There's like two snowmobiles for the, the entire city of Seattle. I mean, it's probably more than two, but maybe like probably not more than like five. I don't know. And they have, they have like no preparedness plan for it. So uh, one year, I remember there was, it was like 10 years ago, there was just a huge snowstorm and there's ice everywhere and people just had to wait weeks and weeks to get the ice cleared. So they would, you know, try to clear it themselves with their little shovels and uh, they didn't want to salt the roads because that would upset like the delicate ecosystem of the Puget Sound. And they didn't want to sand the roads because of like probably the same thing. I don't know. So that's what they said. They said, well, we're just going to create a hard packed surface 
um, for cars to drive on, which is ice. It is black ice. And if you've yep. been to Seattle, you know that Seattle is all hills. Yes. And everyone yes, forgets to drive is. in the rain. So, of course, they forget to drive in the snow. Like, no one knows how to drive in the snow. It is nuts. Like, the the car crashes around here. I, I said once on a previous podcast, like, there was one bus that slid down a hill and, like, crashed over the barrier to I-5 and was, like, teetering over the interstate. A bus with people on it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like okay, I care about the ecosystem too, you know? I'm like, I can be kind of lefty sometimes. Like, I care about the environment. But at a certain point, like, you're talking about people, human beings' lives. You're not going to pat, you're not going to salt the roads. You're not going to do anything. Like, oh man, I just, I'm, I'm, it was like 10 years ago. I'm still fired up about it. Um, Last year, maybe two years ago, we had another big snowstorm. And I just sat in my little apartment and just, like filmed people trying to get in and out of the parking lots because the parking lots are like on hills. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I have to believe that a private company who owned the roads would do a much better job of, you know, like keeping people safe on them. You think? Pay for them. Right. Yeah, I am. Um, so I used, to li- I used to live in Nashville, Tennessee. And when I moved to Nashville, I moved there from just outside of D.C. And... W- the year that I moved, uh, D.C. was in the middle of a snowstorm, a blizzard, and there was like three and a half feet of snow that I drove out of. And Nashville was in their own blizzard. There was like three quarters of an inch. Three quarters of an inch. And people were parked <laughs> on the sides of the road, hazards on. I'm like just zipping past everybody going, what are you doing, you weirdos? And yeah. nobody's going anywhere. But people were sliding down hills, and I was like, how is this even, how, do you guys never get snow here? And then after I talked to people, they said, no, we never get snow. Um, But they absolutely, in Tennessee especially, uh, they absolutely forget how to drive in the rain. And if there is a quarter of an inch of dusting, people will pull over on the side of the road and leave their cars and walk. And it's absolutely Mm -hmm. insane to me. Oh, yeah, all the schools close here at half an inch. All the schools. Oh, wow. It's not. Yeah. In, in just a, in Virginia, where I grew up, if it was half an inch of ice, we would close or like two feet of snow, we would close. There was no, mm-hmm. that was it. If it was less than either of those, we were going to school and it was going to be fine. Um, Jacob, uh, Jacob Blaze said, where did he say it? Uh, in Massachusetts. I know it's in here somewhere. In Massachusetts, chains are illegal, which means Massachusetts is really trying to swing away from how they were just a few years ago on chains. But um, I would imagine Massachusetts would want to have chains, but that's just government definitely not actually protecting the people. No, I mean, Massachusetts doesn't have like big hills, do they? Or or they, they do get a lot of snow, though. They got, I mean, they have a lot of highways and they have a lot, like they've got a lot. They do have hills and they get a ton of snow. I lived in Rhode well, Island for a little they bit. Don't want that's the all chains. I remember. It's probably because they don't want the chains to like mess up the pavement because then they would have to fix it. The asphalt. Right? That could be. Or do they have to have a reason? Right. Yeah, like, they probably why? just want to find people. That's actually a better, that's a better answer than any anything that we could posit right now on why they would do it is we just want to find people. Um I'm going to turn my light on real quick. I'm gonna, it's getting dark okay. in here. I don't have a light on. 
here. That's right. You're okay. three hours behind me, so it's it was it's already dark here. Um, well, not just that, but you're are you, well. You're not in Florida right now. You are in Florida. I'm in Florida. Yeah. No, I'm, oh I'm, yeah, I'm, it's like sunset now. About half an hour. Yeah. Uh, I think the sun went down two hours ago here, and we. Um, yeah, and I could I could still five minute trip to the beach and be totally comfortable. Um, nice for you. It's yeah, because you know we don't have winter or fall. Um, <laughs> so last week you uh, you guys were collecting signatures for a petition. I one four three six. Concerning yeah, the, the state, the state's yeah, long term care insurance. Um, can you tell us more about what that is and how it would affect self-employed people? Yeah. So um, our legislative team has um, been working on this, um, learning about it and, and um, informing people about it. Um, it is a new tax on, it's like, a, it's a new payroll tax, basically uh, 58 cents per hundred dollar of earnings, no matter what your income is. Um, and it is, uh, to fund long-term care at the end of your life. Although the max limit that you could ever receive lifetime benefit is like $33,000 or $36,000. Um, that amounts to like, if you make $50,000 a year, I did some quick math earlier, but, um, it would be like $300 a year. If you make like 50,000 or like twice that, if you make a hundred thousand, um, but you can only opt out between now and like November 1st. Um, and you have, the only way you can opt out is if you buy a long-term, a private long-term care health plan, or if you are self-employed. So self-employed people on W-2s can opt out permanently. So I'm self-employed. That's what I'm going to do. I hope I still have time to do it. Uh, I think I do. <laughs> uh, pretty sure it's by November 1st. Um, and really what it is, it's a Medicare, uh, Medicaid bailout tax because they can't fund their Medicaid program in the state. So they're just trying to like fund it another way with a new payroll tax. Um, so I don't know if the, I don't know what's going to happen with the petition in Washington. You need a huge amount of petition signatures for an initiative. Maybe it's like this in other states, but we need something like 350,000 signatures just to get an initiative going. Um, and I'm not sure if they're going to get that many for the Libertarian Party. It's not always, um, like a good, um, we, we don't have the kind of resources sometimes to get 350,000 signatures, but there are other groups that are working on it. Um, and so that was what we were posting out about. There was another group that kind of has more funding, um, and that are trying to get a certain amount of signatures for, um, a certain amount of funding. So, man, I hope it goes through. But you know what? Even when we do an initiative and even if we get those signatures, sometimes they literally just ignore us. Like there was a couple right. initiatives a while back. Like there's this guy, Tim Iman, um, who's a Republican that is um, very ridiculous in many ways. And he always has all these petitions for all these initiatives. And they're always like crazy anti-taxing. Um, and he had this uh, $30 car tabs tax. And, and against all odds, it passed in Washington. The initiative passed. Um, car tabs should only cost $30 because they cost like hundreds of dollars now because they just keep adding taxes. Because they keep them. adding stuff to it, yeah. Yeah, and I forget what happened. I forget if it was the Supreme Court or the legislature, but they were, the government was basically like, no, that's not going to happen. And so, like, 
when you get to the point where initiatives with hundreds of thousands of signatures and millions of people voting for them, they don't even get to be passed? Like, what are we doing here? I mean, this is like on a very, very small scale. This is like what happened with Brexit. They voted to get out. And then the government was like, "Mm, no, No. we're going to talk about this for like five years. And like, we think that you made the wrong choice. So you see that happening all over the place. Like COVID is a perfect example. Uh, People are voted. They're like, no, we don't want this. We don't want these mandates. We don't want this. And they're just like, we're going to do it anyway. And, um, and, uh, and Christy Nome, South Dakota. In South Dakota, uh, they voted overwhelmingly for, I don't remember if it was medical marijuana or recreational marijuana, but they voted for legalized marijuana of some sort. And she was like, no, I'm not, no, I don't care. Oh, Christy, that. no, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. care that you you said yes, that the right amount of you said yes. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, sorry, we're just, no. And that's yeah, and Christy Nome, she gets like sometimes she gets some like kudos from libertarian circles because she's she was really good in a lot of ways on the on the COVID mandates on some of them. Right. But like that is garbage. That is garbage. Like, like do not trust Republican politicians. No, absolutely not. Uh we have DeSantis down here who I'd never say his first oh, name same. because like, and like DeSantis he's good on some things like i appreciate i appreciate what he's been doing with covid stuff um i'm not i have mixed feelings about the the executive order that he signed banning any vaccine uh passports in order to enter businesses i have mixed i have mixed feelings on that because i don't think he should be able to tell private businesses what to do but at the same time but i also don't think that private businesses should have the right to ask me for my medical information. So I have two different, two different points ask. of view. On, um, so I kind of, I disagree with that to a point, but I also at the same time, I'm like, well, he's protecting my medical freedom and privacy. So I kind of get that. So I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, but outside of that, but then he'll go and, he will boost funding for police and he will go and try to make sure that like he hasn't stopped uh, medical marijuana from being a thing, but he's definitely not making it easier for people. And then he gave, there was a lot of private land in, uh, in the middle of the state. That's like the swamp land, the marshland that he was just like, okay, well the state's just going to take this because we need it to make sure. Nope. You're not jumping over that table. Um, (laughs) That's just dangerous because all of the liquids are right there. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he took all of this private private land and he was like, nope, that's now the government's because we need to make sure that we protect the environment. And I'm all for protecting the environment, and, but you just took people's private land and said, nope, we yeah. are taking this now. Um, so again, Republican politicians are still going to do things that screw you in one way or another. Um I know that she's now like, I need to get out of here. You won't let me lick you. Um, that's that's it. <laughs> our, audio, our audio listeners are going, what is he talking about? Why is his girlfriend in there trying to lick him? Uh, <laughs> um, so this weekend, there are 
a mass of mass non-compliance rallies going on across your state. Um, what sort of mandates are you guys dealing with? Because here in Florida, there's like none. Oh, man. Well, there's a mask mandate that has been in place since I don't know when. I don't pay attention to it. I try not to wear a mask anywhere I go. Um, but there's a mask mandate in, in businesses, I think. Um, there is October 18th is the deadline for um, state workers and all healthcare workers to be vaccinated. So not just... okay. There's, there's, there's getting more exceptions all the time. So I can't even remember exactly what groups it applies to, but you know, this would include like any teachers, I'm pretty sure. And it might be in private, private schools too. Um, healthcare workers, anybody who's kind of like, it was going to be, uh, home healthcare workers. And then I think the home healthcare workers sort of rebelled like the unions. And then it was going to be a bunch of other groups. Um, I think maybe even like general contractors and all kinds of groups, you know, like a lot of unionized groups and the unionized groups are pushing back and then they're kind of getting waivers, but everybody else who's not in the union is not getting a waiver. Um, so that's October 18th. So, you know, I personally know several nurses who either like got the shot very reluctantly or are, you know, hoping that they don't have to get it and healthcare workers and, and different types of people. Um, and then October 25th, so that one was statewide. And then October 25th is there's a mandate in King County, the county that includes Seattle and Bellevue, that every uh, like restaurant, bar, gym, and place like that has to require vaccines or tests um, for, for customer entry. Right. So that is wild. And then I just heard today, there's another one. I just took a, a meeting, a, a note about it today. Oh, uh, Governor King Inslee, Governor Inslee just unrolled a new mandate, um, vaccines or tests for any attendees of large events. So um, we've been finally having like football again and big concerts. So that's going to be wild. I don't know when that one is coming down, but he just announced it today. So, so Yeah. One one of the questions I've had for uh, a lot of different people, and nobody seems to know, and I'm certain it's different state to state, uh, county to county, city to city. But when it says vaccine or proof of negative test, how old can that test be? Usually it's 48 hours. I mean, I would have to look at it, each exact one, but usually it's 48 hours. And that's kind of stupid because, for example, the PCR test, that's the one that they really like. I mean, sometimes it could take, I think it's less now, but at one point it was taking like five to seven days, which is so ridiculous because if you've taken it five days ago, but you get your positive result five days, like five days later, or your negative result five days later, you could have gotten it in the meantime, you can get a rapid test, but there's no, I can't find any rapid tests anywhere. I've called around at a bunch of pharmacies. Nobody's selling them. Of course, it's your own. I mean, you got to pay $27 for two rapid tests before you can go to a restaurant. So, you know, I have never been happier to have left King County. Now, I oh, yeah, King I get that. County. But, yeah. you know, that could come here, too. Right. And here in Pinellas County, that's been like the only that's why I've enjoyed the saving grace of DeSantis doing what he did, because here in Pinellas County, I think that they would have gone with these with these uh, vaccine mandates and just said, nope, you need to have them. Uh, I know that the rest of Florida isn't doing it, but here you need to. And I think that possibly is why to keep certain counties from doing it, just steamrolling 
people that don't agree with it and being like, no, you live here where 51% of the people agree with us. So you're going to have to deal with it. So they just made it sweeping for the entire state. Um, but they definitely would have tried vaccine mandates and vaccine uh, uh, te- testing mandates um, here had he not done that. Uh, and there's still like the, my girlfriend, Sarah, uh, she is at a concert tonight and nowhere is allowed to ask for COVID tests or, uh, COVID tests or vaccine, uh, proof of vaccines, except for concert venues when the promoters of the concert require it for the concert to happen. So she had to go and get, Mm. because live nation is the one that's requiring it. In other words, otherwise they won't bring any of their people here. Wow. So, so concert venues have been able to do it. And she's like, will you go to the concerts with me? And I was like, depends on who it is. Like yeah. one of my favorite, one of my favorite singers, songwriters, performers is uh, Ben Folds. I'm really aging myself with some of the things I've said on the show that I like, um, but is Ben Folds and he's coming in November and I've seen him every time he's been in Florida since I've lived here. And uh, I was really looking forward to seeing him again. But he said, you need to show proof of vaccine to come to any of my shows. And he handles all of his own promotion. So I was like, I'm just not going to see Ben Folds this year or possibly ever. Um, Did you register your complaint with him? Did you did you pass on your feedback to the manager of the complaints? I so I did not because I found that out fifteen minutes before the show. Because <laughs> mm. I was very excited to buy Ben Folds tickets, and then I found out that I shouldn't. Yeah. Um. Yes, Mike Gallagher. Ben Folds is awesome and has been since nineteen ninety four. Um. I know. Yeah, it's wild. There, it's hard to imagine that it's going to be anything other than like a bifurcated community, like just two totally different cultures. It's going to be. Um, like I can't, I can't I, see any other way. Okay, here's a white pill though. Here's a white pill. I think it is changing, and it is changing from people who are just not complying. I mean, we set this these things up. You know, this weekend we got Spike coming to Washington. We're having our rallies for mass noncompliance which we're having one in Seattle, which is like the belly of the beast. So I don't know how that one's going to go, but I'm really excited uh, to see how it goes. Um, And like, we are not the only ones just over the past week. You know, when we set this up, maybe a month ago, we thought like, I don't know if people are going to show up, people in Seattle, people are going to be scared. You know, what is, what are things going to look like? And just over the past few weeks, as uh, these mandates, like Biden's mandates and Jay Inslee's mandates are coming down, things are happening. Like it was every day I would wake up and I would see the news and I'd feel like, oh my gosh, I'm having another white pill for breakfast because um, the Southwest thing, where all of the Southwest, I mean, I don't know if this really happened. Maybe you know, because you're in Florida, but I just hear these murmurings about air traffic controllers walking out in Jacksonville or maybe sicking out or something. But they didn't, yeah. they never really said it. They were just like air traffic control issues. And the Southwest Pilots Union, I think, is uh, suing the government or something. So, but yeah. basically, they got Southwest to back down. In Washington State, we had 150 plus ferry sailings canceled on Friday. So, in a regular month, 
it's either a regular month or a regular day. Either way, it doesn't matter because it's a huge number. They have like four. They cancel four fairies. And on Friday, they canceled 150. So obviously, there's a reason why they have an unexplained cruise shortage. Um, and then there was other ones too. I think Amtrak was canceling Amtrak, a bunch of yep. trains. Joe, Joe Biden's so, love child. Yeah. yeah Joe Biden's love child. It is happening. It is happening. And they're not telling us about it. But it is happening and we just have to keep doing it. We have to keep non-complying. We have to like find every way to like avoid or circumvent or get around the mandates or just ignore them. Like we have to. And still, I, you know, I feel like I'm the only one. Sometimes if I walk into a place without a mask, I'm the only one, but all you need is one. And then maybe there's going to be two and then maybe there's going to be three. So yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And, and that's been I have been not wearing, like, I don't wear a mask. Okay, I wear a mask to work, to my to my day job, because I like getting paid. Um, Sometimes you have to do that. Right. It's, it, 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 is the one, uh, it is the one thing that I break down on, where I'm like, okay, fine. But I've been arguing it a lot recently, because uh, there is new guidelines from the, from the uh, CDC. There's new guidelines from the CDC saying that people who are vaccinated need to wear masks if you're in a high risk area. And I'm like, we're not changing these guidelines. So why not? Why do I have to wear one? You're not following CDC guidelines. Um, that's going to get me in so much trouble tomorrow. I already know it. Uh, just because I said that. Uh, but it is one of those things where you have to you have to choose where your line is. And me wearing a mask to work is not my, it, like, I will wear the mask to work because I love my job and I love where, and I love what I do, but I do have my line and many of the people know it and they understand what will happen if they attempt to uh, cross that line. Like they will lose me and other people because we will not do it. And we have our lines yeah. staked out. We yeah, have our and it is that. a good question to ask yourself as a libertarian also, because I know there are some places who even, uh, regardless of what the CDC says or what a specific mandate says, regardless of whether they actually think they're going to get fined, some places just want to require masks. So it is a really good question to ask, and you need to make sure that you have a good libertarian answer for it where, okay, how much do you respect private property? You know, and the same with a vaccine. How much do you respect private property? If they are voluntarily choosing to require a vaccine to enter, I don't agree with that, but it is their property. I mean, they could ask me to wear a silly hat or like take my shoes off to enter. And, you know, that's not that different from wearing a mask. Um, and so I, you know, the Libertarian Party platform is clear. Everybody has the right to voluntarily choose what they want to do on their property. And that right is like not, it doesn't have anything to do with what the government says or what democracy says. Right. Um, and, you know, it also, the platform also says, you know, uh, vol uh, individuals are free to respond with boycotts and ostracizing and other free market solutions. In the past, there have been some, you know, kind of civil disobedience. I remember Scott Horton talking about this. He was like, listen, you know, they do have a right to, to ask what they want on, your, on their property, but maybe you do a little civil disobedience. And if they, you know, escort you out, 
And if they take you to jail or if they charge you, well, then, you know, you're taking that risk and you did, you know, disregard their private property. So you should maybe bear the consequences of that. And I think that is a choice that every person has to make. You know, the party is clear on what private property is. If a person wants to do civil disobedience, um, then you accept the consequences of, you know, the damages for your actions, whatever those might be. So it's, it's, it's a good question. It is. Um, so before I let you go and ask you to plug all of the events that you got coming on, uh, coming up, uh, what, I've got one last question for you that, which landmark in Seattle is more famous for needles, the space needle or Kurt Cobain's grave? Kurt Govain's grave. I don't even know where it is in Seattle. I don't know. Uh, but I would say I... which landmark is the most famous for needles? I would say um, the bushes at the 45th overpass that's okay. right next to the kids like playground area, the family park. That's what I would say is the most famous for needles. Alright. That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to, the one time I went to Seattle, I've got cousins that live there and um, I went to go visit them and I was just like, wow, it is not just in the movies. Everybody here is literally on heroin. Literally all of you. That's amazing. It's gotten a lot worse. And like, has it really? Oh yeah. It's gotten a lot worse in the past 10 years. There's all these kinds of things. Literally every police officer that I talk to wants to propagandize me about how we can't do anything. Like anytime that I've ever interacted with one in the past five years or more, they're like, well, you know, the laws make it so that we can't do anything. Oh, you want us to find your, you know, someone stole your car. We can't do anything. Oh, um, someone is following you. Oh, we can't do anything. So there's a lot going on between the, the legislature and the cops and crime and homelessness and the drug war. Well, I have to say, uh, I applaud you for, for spreading liberty in that state because that cannot be an easy that cannot be an easy task and uh the fact that you are getting it together and bringing people into the party stop it that's weird i'm live on the air um <laughs> the, the fact that you're um be, that you're successfully doing this and organizing it is it, it, it brings hope to people in other states they're like how do we do it you are building a roadmap for them to make it easier for everybody so to any for on behalf of any party out there that's struggling, trying to figure out organization, we thank you because you are making that roadmap for people and you're doing a great job at it from everything that I'm hearing. Uh, a lot of people in the comments have been talking about how great you are. Um, oh, excellent. My two fans, that must be my, <laughs> my two friends in the party. Well, we're trying, man, we're trying. And we have so many people who want to volunteer and so many people who have been working so hard when I first joined the party, I said, how many hours a week am I supposed to do this? And they said, oh, two hours a week. That's all. <laughs> and there are so many people who have been putting in way more than two hours a week. Um, all of my directors and the people, especially, and the people on their teams, man, there's, there's a lot of people who don't have titles and that are putting in a huge amount of volunteer work. This does not work without volunteers on a regular basis. True. None of it works. You can have good ideas and none of it works. So, um, yeah. Well, anybody who uh, is from out of state, come visit Washington. We will show you a good time despite King Inslee. 
Um, anybody in Washington, uh, you can join the party at lpwa.org, or you can just subscribe to our emails and find out about our events. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, we are, and when you join the party, you can join our Discord, which is where we have all of our friendly debates and all of our collaboration for work. So it's good stuff, oh. man. And make sure that you uh, pitch your pitch your state podcast as well, because somebody said she needs a show. Oh yes, um, I don't know if I have the URL, but it, I think it is WashingtonLibertarians.buzzsprout.com. It's on Buzzsprout. Okay. Um, and we didn't talk about Spike's visit almost this whole time, but uh, Spike is coming to Washington for the weekend. We're doing a three-city tour. It's a little bit wild. Brian was like, um, "Well, I don't know if." I would have chosen to do this many events in a weekend uh but we're crazy in washington so he's coming to seattle westlake park tomorrow 4 to 6 p.m and then a dinner after um richland washington 2 to 4 p.m on saturday and then a dinner after and then a gun range day in spokane on sunday it is at lpwa.org slash mass non-compliance mass non-compliance i'm actually going to put that in the show notes which Oh, you think I would have? You think I would have been prepared for that? lpwa.org. That wasn't slash mass. Got to make sure I don't do the thing that Spike did and misspell mass. Mass non-compliance. I know how to spell mass. Non- yes. Um, okay. Spike <laughs> on Tuesday. Spike was pushing it. On Tuesday, Spike was pushing it, and he put too many s's in mass. He, oh no! Did, and, like it was just. The comments started flooding. It was like error, error message, error message, 404. <laughs> and I was like, I think you messed up on it. And he goes, he's Sorry. like, oh. We all do it sometimes. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I appreciate it. I know that my dog here also appreciates it because she has never actually tried to get on camera while I've done this. And she did for you. So I assume that it's the only thing I can assume is it's you. Um <laughs> But uh, I am going to close out the show. If you want to hang out for a little bit afterwards, we can talk a little bit more. Uh, And if you have to go, that's cool too. Uh, But either way, thank you for everything you're doing in Washington. I can't wait to hear about more things going on there. And um, I look forward to whatever you have happening next. Because I'm imagining there's a lot more coming from your state. Well, uh, I'm not too tired yet, and neither are the rest of us. Thank you so much, Matt, and thank you to all the commenters. I haven't seen your comments, um, but uh, yeah, thanks again. No, absolutely. Thank you. To everybody else, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I definitely appreciate it. Um, Again, you spend your Thursday evenings with me instead of watching the NFL, and I can understand that because – I'm better looking than most of the players. Um, so tomorrow, I don't know if there's an episode of Cajun and Eskimo tomorrow. Uh, we will have to find that out later together. And then on this weekend, Spike's going to be in Washington, as you just heard. And then uh, next week <laughs> on Monday, Jason has Jessica Etheridge on his show, the Beard- Mr. America, The Bearded Truth. 8 o'clock Eastern, and then on Tuesday, join me and Spike right here for a brand spanking new episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Spike Cohen and I will parse through the week's events like the 
sweet, awesome autumn cherubs that we are. And then on Wednesday, you are going, you are not going to believe who Spike's next guest is. You are going to have to tune in later to find out who that next guest is. Uh, but that guest is going to blow your mind who that next guest is. And then right here next Thursday on the writer's block, Natalie Bruno, Natalie Bruno is going to be joining me uh, for an episode uh, right before some big event happening in Oklahoma city that I wish I could be at, but I cannot to any, to the people in the comments that were asking me to come. Um, I do appreciate it and I wish I could be there, but I cannot. Um, your fun fact of the week is one of President John Tyler's grandsons is still alive today. And John Tyler was born in 1790. The guy lives in Virginia. Uh, I've been by his house. I thought about going in, but I didn't. Uh, but yeah, he is still alive today because John Tyler had his had his son when he was 63, and then his son, Lion, and then Lion's son was born when he was 75. So John Tyler, who was born in 1790, has a grandson alive today. Um, enjoy that wonderful piece of information. Have a great weekend. Tune in tomorrow for Cajun and Eskimo if there is a show. If not, enjoy your Friday night off and watch the ALCS and root for Boston. Um, and enjoy your weekend. And I will see you all next week. Have a fantastic and wonderful I am, I am, I am swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell, it's a stunning the legs I'll go, to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help, yeah, I am waving while I drive, don't bother swimming at it to save me, I will only drag you down, I'll try to use your body if there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two. I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset. Sipping on savory waters till my liver turns blue. Hey.